You're listening to the B-School Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Elise Morrison, embodiment coach and founder of Inner Workout. Consider B-School your invitation to becoming a student of yourself. So come on, let's get studying. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for today's guest. Today's guest is Kristen Coley. We actually met, well, not, wow, a couple years ago now. It's weird that it's 2020. So two years ago, we met at Shine Boot Camp, which is a really incredible organization that really works to help women become speakers or develop their speaking skills. Because if you've ever been to a conference, especially in the tech world, there's not a lot of women there. So Kristen is a writer, she's a speaker, she's a consultant, and she's the founder of Safe Word Society. And I'm so excited to have her on today. Very happy to be here. This is exciting. We haven't spoken in a while. And honestly, I forgot it was that long ago. Yeah. As I was saying that, it's like, <laughs> oh man, it's been a minute. It's been a while. <laughs> but when we follow each other on Instagram, it's like, oh, it wasn't that long ago. Like I still see you pop up in my feed. Right. Um, I hear yeah, you so, so I'm like, I've heard your voice. I remember what you sound like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad everyone else gets to hear from you. So like I mentioned at the top, we met at Shine Boot Camp, and part of what we did was kind of develop a 10-minute version of what would become our keynote. And I just remember, Kristen, hearing your story and your vulnerability in sharing your story. It was so powerful. You had everyone in the room drawn in. So if you're comfortable, I'd love for you to share a little bit about, yes, your story, but also your journey to getting comfortable really sharing your story and owning your story. Yeah, of course. It's always so interesting to hear how it was received because it was so hard to do. I mean, you, you remember, I feel like there wasn't enough time. I also thought I was going to be one of the only people who got there without knowing exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> so. I don't even know that I can say I was comfortable. I was very, very uncomfortable. But in between workshopping, I think I realized that I had no choice but to tell it. If I was going to talk about the work that I did, I had to talk about where it came from. So I think I did it uncomfortably. And somehow that's what people resonate with. It's almost really strange. People, when I'm uncomfortable or it feels strange, that's when it shows up the most authentically and people are like, okay, I, I can relate to that feeling. And that's when they like it the most. If that makes any sense at all. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. It's like they're human. It's not you as this robot. It's you being real and raw and saying like, I've been through a lot and it makes me an expert. It allows me to share with other people. Right. I had to, I think I'm a Virgo. And so a lot of what I do, I try to get things right all the time. Mm. I mean, and then it's like, right. I had to unlearn what right was supposed to be and decide what right was for me. And for me, right 
doing something right means that I was very honest, that I shared vulnerably, that I did my best. And so for me, what you got, what you guys saw was really, really the best that I could give in that moment, sharing something that I haven't actually shared before. So I was really proud of that. I was so proud of you too. I remember like sitting by <laughs> you and you being so nervous. And then you got so up there and just completely killed it. And it was like, <laughs> why were you nervous at all? I um, was so nervous. But for the people who are listening and don't know anything about you yeah. and about your work, can you give them a little peek into that? Sure. So what I, I mean, also what I did a lot of then, I have kind of shifted now, but a lot of what I do is really promote authenticity and visibility for historically minimized communities, more specifically black and brown LGBTQIA plus populations. And so I founded a collective visioning initiative in 2017 that would allow for me to really provide opportunity and access to platforms so that black and brown queer folk could tell their own stories, share community with each other. That came out of me really looking for that for myself. And I figured no one that I had met or knew was really facilitating these things in a way that I felt comfortable in. So I kind of picked up that torch on my own. And my talk at Shine was pretty much about how I feel like I have lived in an invisible life in the ways that I still have privilege. I still felt invisible in a lot of spaces and just pretty much calling to action like here are some little ways that you can make people feel visible and this is what helped me. I feel like this is what could help you and let's make a commitment to get started together. Mm, that is so good and I'm curious for people who are listening and are like I don't want to make people feel invisible. Yeah. What are pieces of advice that you have for them? How can we create space to listen to others and to advocate for people who have stories that are different than our own? For me, I think for me, it seems very easy, but I realize that for a lot of people, it isn't. I grew up not necessarily having anyone listen to anything I had to say. And so I really had to figure out how to get people to listen to me, period not even about being different. Yeah. We couldn't even get to the point that we were different because I felt like no one ever listened to me, so I just stopped talking. And so I think sometimes we have to approach situations with the understanding that someone might feel invisible and that show up in a way that won't easily allow for a conversation to happen. So just because you want to talk to someone who might be different than you or have different experiences doesn't always mean that that conversation is going to happen. I think a mm -hmm. lot of that is about immersing yourself in space where, with permission from whoever space it is, immersing yourself in spaces where you can just listen without someone needing to teach you. So for example, like a lot of times I talk about, people ask me, you know, oh, you know, how can I communicate with people in the queer community as a straight person? And it's like, a lot of times that communication wants to happen because someone wants to learn something and they want the queer community to teach it to them. No, you need to just go and listen and learn because it takes a lot of work to have to teach people about something that's just inherently you. 
a lot of times as like the black queer person at work, when there was a situation people wanted to understand more about, about queer people, they would ask me. And it's like, if you want to know more about people who are different than you, you probably should go learn so that when you do have a conversation, you have something to bring to it. That that is so valuable. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's like, it's, it's work you, to teach. And I have no problem teaching if I know that you genuinely came to this with something. Like you went and got information on your own and then said to me, this is something that I've been learning and researching and I would really love to know more about it. Are you comfortable sharing? Yeah, I could not agree more. And I, I really appreciate that that's where you took it. I think for a long time for me, I grew up in semi-diverse, but really predominantly white spaces. And I didn't realize how much emotional labor I was doing until I had one particularly traumatic experience with someone who I considered a friend, but just like the conversation that we were having around race and all these questions that she had, like I would be physically exhausted after one time I like cried afterwards. And I was just like, I can't have these conversations anymore. And then I realized that it was exactly what you were saying. It was this yeah. piece of like, she wasn't doing any work. She wasn't reading. She wasn't trying to put herself in other spaces to learn. It was just this, you need to give me and teach me everything. And it was <laughs> yes. not a fair yeah. exchange. Right. I think I should add a lot of times people consider advocacy something where they give people opportunities to do something that they may not have had the opportunity or privilege to do. And I think another part of just listening is understanding that what a lot of people need in advocacy is just resources. Because the things that we need to do for our communities, some of the people in the community already know how to do it. We just don't have the resources to get it done. So a lot of times it's like, oh, there's a lack of representation in media. We don't need black people or, you know, queer people. We don't need someone outside of our community to do the thing for us. We just need you to hand us the resource, give us the media outlet and let us do it ourselves. <laughs> That's part of listening sometimes is understanding that we don't need other people to do our work for us. We just need the resources to get our work done. Yeah, that's like a mic drop right there. Yeah, I want to snap, but I feel like it wouldn't get picked up on the mic. But that is so good. So we started the conversation, and I was talking about me really seeing you share a piece of your story on the Shine Bootcamp stage, and now you're sharing a story in a different way. You're writing your first novel, which is amazing. Can you tell me a little bit about what that storytelling process has been like for you? And I know you're very much still in the process. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's the most challenging thing I've ever had to do creatively. I mean, I feel like there are people who dream about book writing, right? I'm one of those people who've always said, like, oh, my goodness, I want to write a book. I cannot wait. Like, and I always said one day, because writing a book seems like something that happens like many, many, many years <laughs> into the future. 
And I don't think I ever really gave much consideration to what the process would look like. Like I never really did any research. I would see people talk about the difficulties of, of writing a book, but I never really gave it any thought because I'm like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about that for a long time. And then you get thrown in it and it's like, okay, this is hard. I've written stories before. I've written articles before, but the process of writing a book requires buckets of knowledge that I haven't accessed in years, like imagination. It takes so much imagination to build characters and give them lives outside of your own. Give them thoughts outside of your own. Give them freedoms that you may not have. <laughs> It requires so much imagination, and I think that in a world that sometimes really stifles mine, that's probably been the hardest part, is just feeling free enough to tell a story. Wow. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you've been doing to get more in touch with your imagination, to start to cultivate that freedom that sounds like it's so necessary to your process? Yeah, so... I've read a lot of articles and people were like, oh, don't read books because you don't want those to influence your book. And I'm like, but books are where I find new journeys and new adventures. Like I need to read books. So reading books and just reading articles, I've been doing a lot of reading just so that I can put myself in different spaces, not even like taking any of that stuff with me. It's literally just so that I can put my mind someplace other than the book. I've also had to do a lot of relaxing. Like I've had to relax. Again, I said I'm a Virgo. Relaxing is not a thing that I have practiced much of <laughs> in the past, <laughs> but this has forced me to relax because I can't force myself to write. If it's not there and you keep beating yourself at it, a wall will just come up. And that has happened to me so many times where I'm like, okay, I have to write at 6 a.m. for an hour. That's the first time I write today. It has to be at 6 a.m. I would get to my computer at 6 a.m. and nothing will come. <laughs> I would just sit there. And I'm like, after a while, after that being so frustrating, I realized that I really just have to allow myself to be just as free as I want my character to be. Right? Like set a schedule for writing. Yes, I know I need to write a certain amount of words or a certain amount of chapters, but allow myself to write when my body feels like it's at its best. When my mind is as open as it can be, write then and not feel ashamed for not sticking to a schedule. I've had to learn so many things. It sounds like it, but it's really beautiful. And listeners know that I talk about self-care a lot and I talk a bit about it as this place of listening within and responding in the most loving way possible and it sounds like you're having to do a lot of that within your own creative process of getting more in tune to yourself so that you can start to draw these ideas and narratives out yeah it's it's a challenging process but honestly it has helped me grow so much I've grown a lot through figuring out the story that I'm telling because in order to do that I've really, really had to become even more self-aware than I've been trying to be. 
Like I have to be very self-aware because I, what I don't want to do is create bad habits through a process that it's going to be very long. Cause then I can't sustain that. And I don't want to, I don't want to be a person who can't enjoy the present moment. It's an absolute privilege to be able to write a book, such a privilege. I need to be able to feel gratitude about it without adding resentment to the pot because I'm not allowing myself to just be a part of the process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Kristen, thank you for sharing all of us. This is so good. And (laughs) I feel like it's not just for writing a book too, you know, like so many of us are doing something that probably years ago we dreamed about and we're so busy trying to force ourselves to perform in it that we're forgetting to enjoy it. Yep. Well, I want to wrap up with the lightning questions that I ask all the guests. The first question is, what is something that you've learned recently? Something I've learned recently is that I'm not as nice as I thought I was. (laughs) That sounds so negative. (laughs) Tell me more about that. I mean, I'm a very nice person. I'm very kind. I'm very nice, but I'm also super, super shy. And I think I've been unaware or avoiding how that comes off to people because I've been so busy protecting my anxiety. And so when people have been like, oh, you know, I saw you, but I wasn't sure if I should say hi. You didn't look like you wanted anyone to talk to you. I've been like, oh, why would you think that? I'm very nice. But now I'm like very aware of the fact that, that, that people's experiences are real in that that's not how I always show up. So I'm like working on being more aware of how my anxiety shows up in public spaces. Those are really cool. And thank you for sharing yeah. that. No problem. <laughs> uh, next, the next question is, what is something that you are in the process of unlearning? <sighs> what is something that I'm in the process of unlearning? This is real. I am in the process of unlearning the toxicity of independence as a safety measure. I'm married now, and I have been independent since I was 13. And my independence is like a badge of honor for me. And you know, you're married. Being married (laughs) does not lend well to trying to do it all by yourself. And so I'm in the process of unlearning that needing to do and have and all of that by myself because I have a very supportive wife and it's not fair to her if I don't at least let her do what she vowed to do. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a good way to look at it. (laughs) I'm also a very independent person. I've been with Matt for a little bit longer. But yeah, I totally feel you on that. Because there's nothing wrong with being independent. But there is a sense of like, we said that we were going to be in this together. And I never thought of it as like, I'm not offering my partner the chance to live up to her vow. That is such a writer's way to put it. So yeah. I had to look at it that way, though, because if I looked at it the opposite way and I didn't include her feelings, it's easy for me to just put that aside if it's my feelings. 
But if someone else's mm-hmm. feelings that I love and care about are involved in the, the thing that needs solving, then I'm like, okay, so this is not only affecting me, this is also affecting her ability to grow as a partner. Let me get my act right. I love this one. Okay, <laughs> so last question. What's a way that you've grown that you're proud of? I think it's like a, it's being on this podcast is a prime example of it. I think I've absolutely grown in my spotlight. Like I am getting very, very comfortable with owning who I am as a creator and as an idea person and all of these really great things that people have always said about me. I'm growing in my confidence in that and really challenging myself to not only grow inwardly, but outwardly and put that to tangible things. So this podcast is like a prime example. Yeah. Well, cheers to you. I'm, I love seeing it because we're connected on different social networks and I love every time that you share a way that you're winning. It's like, it gives me a chance to celebrate you and then it reminds me too that those things are possible for me as well. So I hope that you keep growing in that and keep continuing to hype yourself up. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, where can people, if they want to stay connected with you, where can they find you on the internet? So you can find me at my website, www.kristin-coley.com. I'm on Twitter at underscore Kristen R. Coley. I'm on Instagram, same at underscore Kristen R. Coley. And then I'm on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, I don't know if people use, do people do LinkedIn? (laughs) If you're on LinkedIn. I've been trying to do it more this year. Me too. (laughs) I read your article. That was good. We'll we'll make it a LinkedIn party. Right. But yeah, that's where you can find me. I'll be posting a lot more on Twitter these days. So feel free to follow me there. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. This was so you just dropped so many gems. So Thank I really you. appreciate you showing Thank up and sharing your story. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. And congratulations on the consistency. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that because we all know consistency. It's not something I've been historically good at. But yes, this has been such a good conversation. And I'll keep being consistent if it means I get to keep talking to people like you. Oh, thank you so much. This has been great. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. And check out the resources on my website at taylorelise.com. <laughs>